Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like what we're doing, uh, you want to support us on the journey, again, all we ask is you hit that little subscribe button. My name is Brett Gowen. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta. And today, Matt is back. I've done two of the last episodes solo given his schedule, but I'm pumped to have this man back. It, it's been rough. Um, we've been busy. A couple projects breaking ground, so my time is strapped. Welcome back, guys. It's Matt Pinella, also known as Matt Bangswood, carpenter and content creator based out of Central California. So uh, today, maybe selfishly saying for myself, is we have Jeff Sweener on, one of my favorite builders, the owner of Sweener Builders based out of Rhode Island. Um, when I think of Jeff and Sweener Builders, I think of beautiful homes, great craftsmanship, and one hell of a team. So I'm excited to dive in. Jeff, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, <laughs> nice, Greg. Boy, quite an introduction. I hope I can. <laughs> I think, I, I you, think can. you can. Jeff, let's let's uh, let's get a rundown first and foremost. Like, what got you into the industry? Did you have any influence in the trades? Take us all the way back to the the chocolate business and getting into construction. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, my family uh, grew up. Uh, I grew up in the in the chocolate business. Uh, uh, we have a we had a couple of retail stores and then uh, we had a, a kitchen behind one of the stores and it was everything handmade and uh, I'm actually fourth generation so great great grandfather started it and then uh, they my grandfather and my dad opened uh, first store in 1955 and so I've been I was in it you know from uh, probably age 10 on and you know worked holidays and summers and, um you know and I was really destined for it I kind of got a little bit of exposure to construction uh we moved to the kitchen from one location to another and, and my dad and I remodeled it so you know got my hands wet a little bit but nothing nothing for me. and then I was probably 24 and uh my wife and I decided that uh, we were going to build a house so mm. we a lot and I had I had plenty of ambition but just no experience <laughs> I hired a guy that friend of mine that that had framing experience and and we built we you know we went to work and so the two of us built the house not a very big house but um and after that summer I I just loved it I said oh, I think I found my my niche and uh and back and for, fortunately I have a brother and a sister behind me um, that that went into the, the candy business and have since uh, taken that over so, so is, yeah. is the is the candy business still in is it still operable yep really yeah how, how did so, your family get into that I, I that's this what is I was gonna a story ask. that you don't really hear this is yeah great. Um, my great-grandfather started it in his basement and started making somehow started making hard candy for the girl scouts to sell for their fundraiser before girl scout cookies oh wow yeah so well, you you worked it, there at a young age of you said 10 yeah probably yeah so that that kind <laughs> of been it's a little different kind of, than well, our generation jeff <laughs> nowadays they nowadays they call that illegal but back then it, it it's a it's a teaching lesson you learned quite yeah. a bit huh that that taught you values and everything else i'd imagine yeah extremely uh holiday oriented so and because everything was handmade it was you know really a full court press right before any of the holidays so you know it was you know a lot of work and uh i, I think i started waiting on customers probably 12 so really, that's I, awesome. I love that. That is crazy. Skills and uh, a lot of good, uh, you know, customer comes first lessons. And uh, when you're waiting on uh, little old ladies picking out their chocolates. <laughs> where, where is that business ran out of? Is that where you're at as well? Yeah, it's in the same town. It's in uh, Wakefield, Rhode Island. And then uh, they have a uh, another store in Cranston, Rhode Island, and an outdoor plaza called Garden City. That's awesome. And you said your family's still running that? 
Yeah, my brother, brother Brian and my sister Lisa both run it. And my dad is still still active in it. He's 83 and to work every day. He loves it. He, he loves it, huh? That, that's awesome. Yeah. Come back to the, uh, the framing thing. So you started off uh, doing framing. You're around 24, uh, as I'm sure. Like you probably weren't framing the houses that you're doing today. So what, what was that process like? Like when did you start? I'm sure you've seen, what, two cycles now through... I mean, what was it like starting, Jeff? Oh, yeah. Well, well, I, you know, I started, so it was probably not, it was 1988, and that was kind of the height of a, of a building boom right at the height. So, you know, after I built my own house, I mean, I really, it was really hard to get any business for, you know, so it was, I, I didn't know anything, so it was hard to uh, market myself, um, and I started by just doing uh, spec houses. And, and I used spec houses to, uh, you know, sort of hone my skills and, and hone the craft. And, and I did everything myself. So, uh, you know, I learned everything, framing and all the carpentry functions, obviously. Um, and, you know, I just kept hiring people that knew more than me, which was very easy. And uh, <laughs> you're really, I'll hire for anything yeah. at this point. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, it. it probably you know 10 years worth of of building house trading houses basically trading houses for dollars and uh that's awesome each house just, just learning a little bit more and you know i would use that house to uh you know i'd put signs out in front of it and you mm -hmm. know fully but surely i trickled in with some some other jobs and uh you know i did what did what i could did what i know how to and you know it was really a a journey of you know, learning, learning the craft and then learning the business at the same time, you know, you guys know is equally as difficult as the, Absolutely. the craft itself. So yeah. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Like, like spec homes and everything. I, you know, I've talked to, to Brad with AFT and, you know, I think the stuff that he's doing is amazing. Um, people don't really understand like where he started was doing like small remodels and everything. Yeah. You probably yeah. obviously started with small projects, spec homes and everything. And I, I always liked the, the early, the gritty stories because like not every project people were like making a ton of money on. It was yeah. adding it to the portfolio, adding it to the resume so that you can like leverage those projects and portfolios to eventually win bigger and better work. Uh, was that much, was that a similar process for you, Jeff? Yeah. You know, I never made any money on spec houses. Um, mm. And the reason is that, I would always put as much effort into the, you know, I always wanted to make it as nice as I possibly could. So I basically tried to meet the market with, with as much value as I could. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, every single time I thought I, you know, I had a good opportunity, you know, maybe bought the lot, right. But I was, I would always overbuild and end up, you know, breaking even, or I never really had a great deal of success building spec houses because i'm just it really wasn't i wasn't motivated by money at that time i, I mm. was motivated by the ability to build a nicer house than the one before so really it was just a stepping stone to get from where you were to where you are now so every house you were improving figuring out new ways of building and is that kind of what you're saying exactly it's exactly that makes sense that makes sense and when when you care about what you do you'd rather lose money than put out a bad product yeah you know, I, I could have had success had I, you know, we used to build a, a 24 by 32 cape. And I mean, we could we could frame it in a week. And, you know, we, we got really good at it. You know, I knew every rough opening by, you know, off the top of my head. And yeah, if I had just stuck with building starter houses, I probably would have been successful at it. But I I constantly wanted to get to the next level. I was never mm -hmm. satisfied with just an average house. I always wanted a little bit nicer house, a little bit nicer house. And you can't get a job from a paying customer if you if you haven't built that product. So mm -hmm. I, would, I would build that product to more or less prove that I was being hired to build it. That you were capable. Yeah, exactly. With, with that being said, this kind of drops into what you were just saying. Um, you have a saying, I believe it's on your wall. How you do anything is how you do everything. 
And you often mention that everything you do, you want to be the absolute best at, which kind of just falls in line with what we just talked about. How does that attitude help you in business? Well, you know, one thing that I, I always tell a story because I, I, I've been speaking at uh, a couple commencements high school, Vogue Tech schools, commencements. And, uh, and I say to them, uh, I said, you know, when I, when I first started, because I really didn't know anything, there, were, there, was, there was a couple things that you could do that you didn't have to know anything to do. Mm-hmm. And one of them was, you know, keep an extremely neat and organized job site. Like that takes no, no skill. And yet it's amazing when somebody walks through you know, a, a house under construction and they see it, everything's organized, the, the floors are swept, you know, everything's tight and, and in its place. And it's amazing how the perception is, wow, this is really quality built. And, and it could very, it could have absolutely nothing to do with, you know, how plumb, how tight, how, how you know, nothing. Mm-hmm. It just had a perception. So that was just one thing that I learned. So you know, I, I tell the, I tell the younger guys, you know, when you, when you sweep the floor, when you clean your job site, do it, do it to the best you can. And if you, if you start learning that as a habit, then it, it penetrates every single thing you do in your life. And, and it's just, it's just such a quality that, you know, if you can, if you have that at the top of your brain, every day you're doing something, you're just going to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing is, is when homeowners and clients walk onto a project, they don't necessarily know what they're looking at with rough openings, with framing uh, mm-hmm. the trusses or the rafters being up. They, they don't know what they're looking at to spot anything. So when they walk in, they, they can recognize a clean place rather than completely trashed. I've been on some job sites where it's like, it looks like a tornado just went off. Yeah, and it's like man. the first thing you think of is like, you guys are not organized. So <laughs> I, I this like is- that. This is exactly what I learned. My, my dad was a drywall subcontractor. And so I worked with him a lot growing up. And this was like my main job growing up was scrapping, picking, scrapping. Um, yeah. And like making sure the job site was clean, but that was the, the first thing that I learned walking into a job site is having it clean and tidy. And the first time that I actually saw that some people do it differently was when we took over a job and I went and helped my dad scrap and Matt, exactly what you said. It looked like there was a tornado after some of these drywallers. And so just a disaster. Yeah, it was a disaster. And that was the first time that it kind of hit me of like, wow, I can only imagine being the builder and seeing so many scrap pieces of drywall everywhere. It was the worst job that I've ever scrapped. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, from there, I, I just saw the value and it's, uh, it's nice for the builder. It's nice for the client. Uh, it makes you actually feel good about the product, even though, I mean, it's just scrap, but, uh, a lot of the values are instilled there. Yeah. Not, not to go too far off in left field, but I saw a picture recently, someone was remodeling their house and they opened up, they, they took off all the countertops and they're looking in and they had a corner that was empty and, it was, drywall. Tra- it was filled with trash. Oh it was filled with God. drywall, old food wrappers, like all sorts of things. And it's like, that That's is awful. That is terrible. I've seen, on- it, I've seen it many times, like a, on a, you know, a dormer or, or, you know, some, some false wall that's built inside yeah. the sloped roof and the whole company behind it is filled with drywall scraps. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a little bit more common than we think. I think so too. It's just behind exactly. the wall. So we are, we're oblivious to it, I guess. Exactly. Right. One, one last thing. So someone, I, I couldn't remember a name if I tried local though, um, accidentally ended up with a cat in a wall and it got left and long story short, <laughs> didn't, didn't make it out. That was, that was sad. Jeez. Um, I saw you said somewhere that the first 15 years of your career were literally trying to build the best house. And then the second half, the, the later 15 were spent building the best possible business. And I think it's a mix that a lot of people struggle with trying to balance mm-hmm. the business to the actual work. If you could go back and do it all over again, would you change anything? I probably would have uh, gone back to school for business. You know, I would have, I would have taken some accounting classes, uh, some, some business classes. So yeah, I mean, but other than that, I don't think so. You know, I, I did the first first fifteen years were with the tool belt, and 
you know, just, I was part of the crew and, and, you know, there were probably four of us. That was, that was probably it. And then, uh, then, then taking the tool belt off and then really just becoming, you know, a project manager for my own company, but then, you know, really trying to learn the, you know, the back end side of, of the business. Um, you know, I had no, I had no formal training. My, I went to, I went to the University of Rhode Island for phys ed. <laughs> so Did you really, my phys ed degree didn't really help me too much. <laughs> uh, so it, hel- it, it helps it, me with fitness, you know, and health and fitness later in life, which is a valuable. Uh, that sport. is, you stay in shape. That's a good thing. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, the the business side, uh, you know, that, that's been a, that's been a long, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I, I'm never done learning. I'm scratching the surface on the, on the business side and, you know, really trying to understand how our business metrics work and our dashboard and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So in the video that I pulled the quote from above, how you do anything is how you do everything. You've got a pair of Occidental bags in your hand and many contractors this size, you're, you're building some beautiful homes. They know the business only, but they don't know how to swing a hammer whatsoever. And I think that starting out as a framer was possibly the best thing that you could have done. My question though with this is, are you hands-on much these days? I know you said you're a project manager, but do you still get in there and show people how to do things from time to time? Uh, only when I, only when they let me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair um, answer. Yeah, you know, not a lot. Like we do once a year we'll do we'll do some um you know something for a habitat or uh you know we did recently we did a uh, thing for the one of the historic societies um you know we'll give back and we'll give we'll give a day of labor you know to that's a, awesome the guys and uh so i'll jump in on that but you know it's a little crazy because you know i fr- i i framed without you know, without, we used wooden pump jack poles, you know, I mean, it was, it was sketchy. It was the good old days. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I don't, I probably don't set a very good example in terms of, uh, you know, safe practices uh, with in in framing and roofing and all of that stuff. So I have to kind of keep my, keep my OSHA mind in place. There you go. If anyone's getting in trouble, it's you. Yeah. (laughs) Jeff, did you ever imagine that one of your builds would be on uh, this old house? No, no. What, what was that experience like? I remember. Oh, well, you know, that. really interesting about that because the you know when I was it probably in uh, well somewhere along the the way it was probably 1991. I think I I realized that it was really difficult for me to make money at. at mm-hmm you know, now I'm married and, you know, thinking about a family. So um, a friend of mine took the, was taking the test for a, a local fire department that was hiring. So I took the test with him and, and, and got a, and got on the job. So I was a firefighter from 1991 to 2001. And I did both. I, uh, you know, we worked uh, two days, then two nights, then they had four days off. So so when I was working my nights, I was working building during the day and then on my four days off. So I used to watch this old house during, you know, when we were there at night. And that's how that's how a lot of I learned, you know, because we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have Google. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the Internet. So um, this old house was like kind of the only show that was available to that you could watch, you know, watch something. And other than that, it was, you know, the trade journals. So I, I started watching it and, you know, it was, it was, a, it was, it was great to, to learn. And yeah. So no, I never imagined. I loved it. It was a beautiful build. Did, so talk to us a little bit about So now we have the, the YouTube, Google, all these social media platforms to learn from builders like yourself, just across the entire United States. And further yeah. than that, talk to us about sawdust. This is your <laughs> YouTube series, right? Yeah. I just so, subscribed to this, um, by the way. I love it. <laughs> when uh, we were filming a, uh, a season for this old house, we we're filming and we started the project in, in um, late January, early February 
and then one of the film guys, one of the um, one of the directors, didn't live that far, and uh, then all of a sudden COVID came and it shut us down. Mm-hmm. And I asked him to come and film for us to while they had nothing to do. I said, I'll hire you to do some filming for us. I wanted to do a company video. So you got nothing to do. We want that. We, you know, we, we'd really like a company video. So come, come down and film. So we were still open for business. Um, you know, construction was deemed essential and, and we mm-hmm. to continue. We had a lot of jobs going on. And uh, so, so Tom drought came down and uh, he started filming for us and he said, man, you have, there's gold here. There's so much stuff that you guys are doing. It's crazy. So, you know, we kind of brainstormed a little bit about this, about this idea. We tossed around some name op- options and, uh, and we put it together. So it was probably, you know, I, I think that, that they, they were shut down for a good six months uh, before they were actually able to cross state lines and come and resume filming. So during those six months, we captured all this footage and we followed a few of the builds and, and it was just really, it was very spontaneous. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, what are we going to do today? Well, you know, we got this going on at that job. So let's, let's, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Started doing it and, and, and we ended up with all of this footage. So as you know, that's the easy part. Now you got to go back and edit it and make it into. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. So, um, you know, Tom went to work on that and then, uh, you know, and then we, we picked a day where we, a date where we were going to release it. And, um, you know, we, we didn't really have a, a huge agenda other than, you know, let's, let's, let's see what happens. And, you know, it, it came out and it was really cool. And, uh, and, you know, everybody's asking for the next season and (laughs) we're just, we're just trying to figure out what it what to do with it you know mm-hmm. it's it really became super high level marketing for us uh, both from a from a client standpoint as well as a recruiting standpoint yep it really showed i had no idea that it would be that valuable um, for those two agendas but that that really ultimately became the most value and you know there's enough info in there from a client perspective that they can see all aspects of the build Mm -hmm. you know they get to know some of the guys so they can really learn a lot about our company and our process without actually you know even knowing us yet Mm -hmm. that was that was one thing i wanted to bring up is um there's an old saying a rising tide lifts all ships and basically with, with what you said earlier is this old house was kind of the only thing on that you could watch back then that you could get information from you putting everything out there like this, you're elevating everybody else in the trades, bringing everybody mm-hmm. up to a higher standard. And that, that speaks volume. Not many people want to do it. Not many people can do it. So the fact that you are is, is awesome. I've flipped through plenty of those videos. There is anything and everything on there from wall framing to um, ICU, all, all sorts of stuff on there. It's, it's pretty rad. So if, if you guys want to check it out, I'm going to put a link in the description or you can just go to Sweeney Builders on YouTube. I think that's what's so cool too, because we've had we had Byron builds on here a little while ago, and he talks a lot about just trade secrets. Even like me growing up around the trades, um, again, there was nothing like the YouTube and Google. Everything kind of like sat in silos. Everything was like a trade secret. People don't want to share how they build things. And now you can pretty much learn everything, just like what Matt was alluding to. And also you were Jeff is the the opportunities to learn about the in industry are everywhere now. Yeah, we're um, sort of launching a new uh, new little video um, series that'll come out on our our website. So we, we we're trying to elevate the elevate and grow uh, our team, the skill mm-hmm. team. So we we started these classes three days a week, three evenings after work. And we're called, we call it Swinney University for, for lack of a better term. I like it. <laughs> and uh, so it's taught by our, our senior guys, our, our top guys, 
And, you know, we put a, a, a rough curriculum together. Uh, we make it eight weeks. So if it's Tuesday from four to 6 p.m., it goes uh, eight consecutive Tuesdays and it might be on um, exterior trip. So mm. do all kinds of mock-ups uh, and different, you know, different ways of dealing with exterior trim, a lot with AZEC. And then as we get a little bit more advanced in the class, we'll actually go to one of the jobs that we're doing exterior trim on and, you know, do some live examples. And we do one on framing and then we do one on finished carpentry that we do in our shop. And, and it, everybody loved it. So we'd have, we had 10 to 12 guys uh, in the class every, every night and it really well received. And the idea is that, you know, they, it, it's an opportunity for them to, to develop, you know, in mm -hmm. professionally without, without necessarily risking, you know, screwing up a cabinet or something. Yeah. House. So um, good way for guys to get experience and hands-on stuff and, and without, uh, you know, without using up. Well, on top of that, it, it is kind of, on a job site, it can be kind of hectic. So I'm sure having time dedicated just to this learning experience, it can take yeah. as much time as you need. I'm sure that's awesome for them. Yeah. Is that is that something that's open to, are you, are you open to doing that to the public or is that just employees? Well, so we, uh, we did, we've done it now one cycle with just employees. And this summer, we, um, we have a, we call it the freshman class coming in. So we did a job fair at a local high school and, um, you know, we, we had an open house and invited uh, the kids and their parents to come. And so we, we basically invited eight interns, eight high mm. schoolers to come. We'll pay them, uh, you know, minimum wage or slightly above to, to be laborers during the day. And then uh, at night, they'll go to those three mm. classes and I love that. Learn. Yeah. And so, so we're going to film that and produce, you know, 30 minute, well, the classes are two hours, but we'll edit it down to like 30 minute uh, YouTube series. And um, yeah, so we're really excited about it. And, uh, you know, and the kids are excited. We, we actually, we actually Anderson windows uh, sponsoring it. So that's awesome. Anderson's all about it. And uh, they love the mission. And yeah, so they they're gonna they're gonna sponsor the sponsor it, and um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And at the end, at the end, when they're when they're all done with the internship and 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 the summer's over, we'll 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 hire them if they're you know if they if it works out, we'll uh, we'd love to have them. So we potentially have uh, eight hires in the in the making. Mm -hmm. Keep in touch on that. I'd be curious to know how many of them make it through and how many stick with you. That, that yeah. retention is an interesting thing to look at. Sure, sure. I wanted to, so how long is that program, Jeff? Uh, it's uh, eight weeks. Eight weeks, okay. This reminds me of uh, uh, Brewer Plumbing Companies down in Arizona. They have something called like Brewer Academy. I don't know if you've heard of them. We had them I just on saw our it on your. I saw it on yeah. one of your, I scrolled through your, you know, some of the episodes just to yeah. kind of get familiar. And, and, I, and I love what they're doing because they're, they're solving a super big pain point. Uh, one, not only getting people into their pipeline, but actually having trained people come into their business. Yeah. Um, and that's the biggest difference. So they, they've done a lot of different uh, things around like making sure that they have like a really strong cohort of people that retain. I think their retention got up to like 80 to 90%. They had some trial and error in the first one, but seems like they've improved. But the, the, the best thing that I love about it is for the people coming in, let's say that freshman class, Jeff, is these people are getting paid to learn. Yeah. Like nowhere else you can like learn directly from a great business, get right. paid to learn, and then almost have a guaranteed job. If you're willing to show up, you're willing to put in the effort, you're going to the classes at night. And so that's really awesome that you're providing that opportunity for those people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm excited to, to be able to offer the, the kids today, uh, you know, a viable option, uh, if college isn't for them. And, uh, you know, the other thing that, it, you know, and it could grow, it could grow into a full-time thing. I mean, you know, most of the sort of Votech schools that, you know, teach carpentry, you, you find that a lot of it is more geared toward commercial, you know, mm -hmm. framing and, you know, I get it. That's where the, the bulk of the jobs are in the country, but you know, to be, to have a specific program for custom home building, 
uh, high-end custom home building. You know, I, I I can't think of anything like it. But no. So you know, it gives it. It's a unique opportunity that we have guys that have been with us for a long, long time. And you know, guys get older. You know, guys get into their sixties and they, you know, they they start to slow down a little bit and want different options. And you know, that some of them are, you know, could be geared towards project managers, but but a lot of them could be instructors, you know, really good. So what better, what better instructor than a, you know, a 40 year veteran of, uh, of the carpentry skill, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that we, we can offer them uh, an opportunity to, you know, continue along and, and, and make, continue to make money while they still have uh, the ambition and, you know, give them an option as opposed to just hanging up the tool belt. I want to talk to you a little bit kind of around like retention and uh, employee development, but it reminds me of the Richard Branson quote. It's something along the lines of train people so well that they can leave, treat them well enough where they never want to. And this kind of reminds me of that situation. And the one thing that's kind of come into mind is sometimes these construction companies are just hesitant to train and develop their employees because it's always the what if they leave to go start their yeah. own business. I mean, we had Marcus Gores, who runs Gores Construction out of Oregon. And one thing he put in perspective for us, he's like, that's fine if they leave. They might become my future subcontractors. And there's such a different perspective change where when you start thinking of it long term, it makes a lot of sense to train and develop these people. But Jeff, how do you think about training and developing your people when you know, the guy down the street is always worrying about losing their people. You're here putting in a ton of effort. You have, I don't even know how many people you have, what, like 30, 40, 50 people working at Sweener Builders now? Like how, how big is the company today? Uh, 65. 65. Oh. So I'm still low. So that that's amazing. But uh, it's probably come because you've invested so much time into developing those people and they feel like they can develop within your organization. So how do you think about like the training and development aspect of these people? I've built a lot of cool houses, built a lot of cool structures. And I tell people all the time that the thing that I'm most proud about is the company that I've built. And, and it's all about people. It's, it's all about people. And I'm just a, I'm just a magnet to good people. That's like the number one criteria, you know, good character. You've got to be, you know, a, just a good person, a great person before we even talk about your skill set. So I think, I think the key is surrounding ourselves with great people. And then when you have that, when you have a team of great people, they sort of police themselves and, mm. You know, it, it doesn't take long for, you know, somebody to, to, be, to get weeded out because, you know, there's some character flaws or some, some issues that are, go on and, and, and we hear about it right away because, you know, it, it's, it's an albatross, right? It's not, a, it's not a commonality. It's not just another, you know, number in the, in the herd. Mm. So I, I think that that's number one is, you know, it's just, it's just always searching for really solid and good people, but then treating them well and, and treating them and having an environment where they enjoy, they enjoy coming to work every day and they enjoy the, the people that they're working with. So when you combine all of that, you know, and you have a certain skill set as a carpenter, you know, you're, you're marketable to many companies and many companies would love to have you. And the and the work could be the same, like it could be equivalent to go work for a company B down the street. They're doing, you know, similar stuff. But the, the one variable that you can't really put a, you can't quantify is what's the, what's the experience like? What, what are the, mm -hmm. how do they treat you? How do they, are they yelling all day? Is it, is it a fire drill? Is it organized? Is material on time? You know, all of those kind of things. So those, those sort of become those, intrinsic variables that make for a, uh, a really, a really good work environment. You know, that's hard to reproduce. You just, you just, mm -hmm. you just produce that. So provide well, them like, with a good enough environment and they'll stick around. Right. Yeah. And it seems like if you can kind of like duplicate that magnet, Jeff, they become a magnet. So they keep drawing in more people and more people and they become your most powerful recruitment tool. You're not out here trying to convince everybody to join your company. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They, they, they're all salesmen for, you know, recruit. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm, I'm curious because obviously with that size of a business, um, there are many aspects of it that you no longer control. How was that? And ultimately, what did you have to give up as far as controlling your business? Are you doing any of your estimating? Like, is everything taken care of now? Pretty much. I, I've, I've set it, I've set the company up to where I essentially do. I really only do. I only have two responsibilities. One is sales and two is recruiting. So, and sales, you know, we're, we're booked for 24 months. So I don't have to sell a lot right now. There you go. You could wait a little while. Yeah. I, yeah. So, you know, I just, I just work on, I work on improving the company. I work on improving things that need improving. And there's always something to improve. A lot of it is people related. So, yeah, you know, um, we recently hired a, I call him the chief performance officer. So uh, essentially a human resource person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's in charge of people. And, and so when you have 65 people, probably I would say uh, 58 of them are billable, right? They're, they're carpenters, they're architects, they're interior designers, they're, they're cabinet makers, they're framers, they're all billable. And, you know, I track, we, we, ha- we have, uh, you know, uh, apps on our phones to track labor. And, mm-hmm. and so I get all of this data. I get incredible amount of data as, as to every hour of every day, you know, who's working, who's not working, why is mm-hmm. why are they not here today? And, and I found that we're, you know, we should be performing at like 46 weeks a year, right? You got you got 52 weeks, you lose two for holidays, you lose two for vacation and sick, you lose one for weather, you know, whatever it is, I, I, I figure that there's six weeks that you don't, you, you lose in a, in a year. But when, when I look at this, at the, at the statistics, and I look at the spreadsheet, I'm like, why are we averaging like 43, 44 weeks a year, you know, and it <laughs> can't explain it, you know, and, uh, so, so I hired uh, Steve, our, our chief performance officer, and I said, you know, your job is to get, get, us, get us one week, get us, you know, get us to 45 weeks, you know, just move the needle that little bit and pays for your, your position. So his name is Steve Tanter. Uh, he's a, a former uh, Division I football player at Virginia Tech and has been a, 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 foot, a college football coach for 15 years. So He's all about you know, motivating people, and uh, and so that's that's his that's his role. His role is you know is in part of the recruiting, uh, onboarding, and and then uh, you know and then just managing people. How can I help you do your job better? How can I you know all of that stuff? So I'm always very good at hiring people. I I you know I recognize. Uh, good qualities in people and, and always good at hiring, but I was horrible at firing people. So, oh, and, and it, and it became a little caustic because if you have a bad apple and, and they're allowed to linger, then it just, it just creates a cancer. Um, mm-hmm. so, so now I have somebody to do that, to take care of those bad apples. And, you know, you there get, you go. Well, I miss I miss the mark every once in a while and, and um, got to go. So, uh, yeah, hire slow, fire fast. There you go. If you can improve a little bit each and every week, you get, you get pretty good results. Yeah. So over the years, I'm sure you've learned a lot about what you're good at and what you're not good at when it comes to building and running a business. What's your favorite part of the business today? Making customers happy, making them exceeding their expectations. I saw some video testimonials from customers that you've had, and they are absolutely thrilled. Like the attention <laughs> to detail and nothing being missed. And it's like- And a clean job site. These people love that you built for them. That, that's so awesome. What's the uh, aspect that you've really uh, struggled with over the, the last few years and you've had to delegate? Because I'm always interested to, to hear business owners, like there's bottlenecks in every business. They're always yeah. different estimating mm. was always my struggle. You know, somebody would say, well, what do you, what do you think? And I would say, spit out a number, you know, 50 grand. 
and it would end up being 75. <laughs> I was going to ask you if it was lower or higher. <laughs> yeah. yeah, estimating was definitely, uh, estimating and financial management were definitely weaknesses of mine that, you know, uh, fortunately I was able to, uh, to bring in that position and hire in that position. It was probably 2015, probably 10 years too late, but, um, but it was, it was, it was life, you know, changed the business, changed the business entirely. I, we, we were not a buttoned up, you know, financial organization. It was very, mm-hmm. very loosey goosey and very, uh, you know, shoot from the hip. Um, and uh, I would say that, um, you know, we're, we're a thousand times better. Um, we have really, really solid, you know, solid financials and solid bookkeeping and solid estimating. You know, it's all about, it's all about tracking data. You know, we build, mm-hmm. you know, we will do, we do about $20 million a year. So you have, you have an incredible amount of data to mine from to what things cost. So mm-hmm. you also have a lot of room for error with a number that big. So you got to oh. put people where they work best. <laughs> exactly. It yeah. sounds like over the years, you've really honed in on that and made it to where it's a, a good running <laughs> yep. machine. Yep. Jeff, I got one last question before we go into our fast five. I'm going to bring this full circle, but you've uh, credited your work ethic to the experience in the chocolate business with your family. Uh, but you were raised, and, and I think you are a big mantra guy, which I just absolutely love. Um, but you, the mantra was, uh, when you're through improving yourself, you're through. So my question is, one, what does this mean to you? And second part of that question, how have you improved yourself in the, in the business over the last year? Ah, well, it, what it means to me is that, it, you know, it kind of goes back to that saying, that saying about how you do everything is, is how you do anything. You know, if, I mean, I, I'm improving every single day. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's my workouts, if it's my diet, it's my, you know, my skiing, my, mm-hmm. what I'm doing, I'm trying to improve. I, I just, I can't, I just don't sit still and I just never say that's good enough. You know, I mean, some of the guys that I work out with are like, why, you know, you're <laughs> nine years old and you're, you know, working out like a 25 year old and why? And I, I, I don't know how to shut the switch off. So I'm just, you know, so, so that's what it means. It means when you're, when, when for me, when I'm done trying to improve myself, that's it. I'm done. It's over. I love that. That's one thing that I have admired you because I've followed you for a while and uh, fitness is a really big, important thing uh, to me in my life. And it provides just so much mental clarity and then just moving through stress or anything that comes with running a business. Um, I'm sure that that's helped you a lot with mental clarity and just the overall struggles and hurdles of running a business. Yeah. Yeah. It's no doubt. I mean, it's, it's, it's every day for me, uh, at least the weekdays, it's five days in the morning and it's super regimented and I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm so compulsive about it. It's ridiculous, but. <laughs> so, so really what, what, what do your workouts look like then, Jeff? I- <laughs> well, uh, so recently, uh, well, since COVID, right. We used to belong to a gym that was like a group workout kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then the gym's closed. So we have a, uh, we have a, a, a piece of property where my shop is, my office is. It's a, it's a big mill complex, about 50,000 square feet. And, and so we had this space, we had about a thousand square feet that was kind of an oddball shape and it was really difficult to, to rent and uh, it was vacant at the time. So um, I said, well, let's build our gym, let's build it out. So it was like me and five, six guys that we worked out together. Uh, we built out the gym and bought the equipment. And, uh, and so, uh, I come in, I come in early. I come in like, you know, 45 minutes before they get there. We start at 6am. I mean, six sharp, mm-hmm. like so one, not, not six, it's six. <laughs> and, uh, so I write the whole workout on the board and it's basically circuit style. So it's, mm. it's weights but it's weights that are, uh, you know, you can perform, you know, number of reps in a minute, you know, and it's mostly Mm -hmm. 
good workouts so that anybody can do it. And, uh, you know, it's minute on 15 seconds to switch. And uh, yeah, I, I post them on, uh, we have a, because the, the space is called Sweet F. So I, we named it Sweet F Fitness. And I, put, I post them on Instagram every single morning, Sweet F Fitness. And all the workouts are written down. <laughs> there we go. Follow Jeff's routine. <laughs> Jeff, we have our, our fast, fast five. It's uh, uh, five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. The first one is, I feel like I know the answer we, we to this, but I'm going to ask you. That one. Which part of your morning routine can you never miss? Oh, my God. Yeah, my workout. <laughs> I love it. Five days a week. Yep. Do you take weekends off then? Sometimes I usually mess around a little bit on Saturday morning, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, plug in some things that I missed, but yeah, pretty much five, five solid and maybe a weekend. I like it. Number two, the one thing in the world that makes you the most happy would be my business. I like it. Three. I know you're a big sports guy and you've talked about like team building and sports and everything. Your favorite sports figure would be, uh, I guess I got to go with Tom Brady. Oh, that's a solid one. I respect him. He's the goat. Number four, your one message to the next generation would be? Show up five minutes early for everything. I love that. Number five, what does bread to build mean to you? Oh, my God. I feel like it's a epitome of, uh, of, of how to restructure the construction industry. You know, and I, I think mm -hmm. I start younger. You know, we, we, we start at high school, but I think high school is almost too late. I think junior high is the age, you know, where you can get, you got to get them, you got to get them baited. You got to get them in so that, you know, you don't want them to get them to where, oh, this was supposed to be one sentence. So You're good. I like Sorry, it. Keep, keep going, going Jeff. <laughs> if you get them thinking about it early on, you don't want it to be the last resort, right? Mm. So. A lot of times, by the time senior year, they figure out, well, I guess there's nothing else for me. Let me look at the trades, you know? So we got to change that philosophy and say, the trades are the greatest thing. And, and if we can send that message in, in sixth, seventh, eighth grade and get kids interested, and it doesn't have to be hands-on, obviously, at that age, but it could be, it could be some video stuff. It could be you know, there's a lot of outreach, uh, you know, visiting a, a school trip. Like when's the last time you saw a, a school trip to a construction site, you know? Yeah. So, so I think that the, I think I love the message. I love the brand. I think it's, I think it's got to dig deeper. I think it's got to start younger. Mm -hmm. really I love that. And, and you're meeting people where they're at too. So that next generation, if they're scrolling through, you know, YouTube, TikTok, whatever it is, showing them what it's like is completely different because you know when i was growing up we had shop classes pulled out i believe my brother had shop classes but we didn't by the time that i got into high school neither or junior high whatever and so that's really awesome that you're meeting people where they're at and it goes back to matt's point of elevating the trades i think that's incredibly important because yeah. you know we've talked about this previously on the podcast but what parents and teachers and advisors at school tell students about construction is not always the actual image or what's going on in the industry. And it's primarily rooted because they don't have experience. And so they don't really have, I guess, the leverage to promote a career yeah. in the skilled trades. So I like what you had said there. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Um, sixth, seventh, eighth grade is really where they start to push that, that motive of if you don't get good grades, you're not going to make it to college. They're, they're instilling into that you already need to be good to make it to that four year, but they don't mention anything else. And I, I do think that's a big problem. And like you're saying, by the time they're seniors in high school, the trades are always like that last resort, like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to go bang nails over the summer. Yeah. It's, it's never a solid career path that they think of. So I, I think you're onto something there that junior high might be the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have a really strong interest in, in, and getting that message across and, and trying to figure out how to penetrate that market, how to, how to get to the school level, but, but in a safe way, you know, like yeah, and it's, obviously. It's probably got to be video. Um, I, I think it is. Since that we, we reached out to Anderson to, to sponsor our uh, Sweden university is because of the video component, like mm -hmm. the, 
the the video work is the most expensive package out of the out of the budget, right? So we we have an instructor, we have some class materials, we have some shirts. I mean, not a not a big lift, not a not a lot of yeah. But to to actually have somebody film it and then more importantly edit it, mm-hmm. where that's where the you know the the bulk of the budget goes. But but that's where the most value comes from because now it's it it lives forever. So if we can sort of tailor some of that with, you know, showing kids that are 18 years old, you know, with tool belts on and working and, you know, working on some really cool stuff. I think that that those that kind of imagery and that kind of messaging is what if we can get that to trickle down to, you know, to that to that level, those grades, um, you know, I, I think we might get some something to stick. I agree with you there. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us on the Bread to Build podcast. Uh, before we let you go, where can people find and connect with you? So SwainerBuilders.com. Uh, I think our, our Instagram is SwainerBuilders, right? I think. Something. Yeah, Swainer underscore Builders, but pretty damn close. Yeah. And then uh, my personal one is uh, is just Jeff Swainer uh, on Instagram. So and then if, and then if you're uh, interested in the <laughs> sweet F, sweet F, <laughs> sweet F for the uh, routines that will kick your ass. <laughs> awesome. Uh, guys, guys, thanks for having me on. It was really, really nice chatting with you. Right? Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Absolutely. Um, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like this episode, which I'm sure you will, drop us an awesome review. Uh, if you want to join us on the podcast, we'll have some topics or questions. Feel free to send us a, a DM over Instagram, Bread to Build Podcast. You can find me on social media at all platforms at Brett Gowen and also uh, Hammer and Builders Vincent on Instagram. Matt, take it away. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. You can find me on all social platforms at Matt Bangswood. We will see you guys next time on the Bread to Build Podcast.